Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! <laughs> Pack your bags and get ready. You're going to Vegas with people who know Vegas. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Welcome to Vegas. Everyone is familiar with the American business culture. You know what I mean. Going to meetings, climbing the corporate ladder, company gossip. A lot of us deal with it every day. And it's always a very pleasant surprise that when we go out to hear a speaker at one of these business events or conventions, to listen to someone who makes us laugh. Well, today, you'll meet someone who has that very skill set and does it all over the nation, including right here in Las Vegas. Your Vegas insider, Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com, is here to talk about the bad reputation the city has gotten from NFL players getting in trouble in Vegas. Scott thinks that the blame is aimed in the wrong direction. And Mr. Big is here as well, talking about an old Vegas favorite, the Thunderbird Hotel. But you all remember when you heard a speaker, whether it was for a business conference, heck, even a pastor in a church, what have you. The ones you remember are the ones that were funny. And we got somebody who has taken those great skills and put those together. Greg Schwimm, really one of the very best out there. He's a motivational corporate comedian. And I think that's really cool. Greg, do you see the people when they hear you're going to go up and speak and then they realize, hey, they're laughing and so forth. Suddenly they kind of sit back and tend to enjoy themselves and not get all uptight and worry about uh, being bored or what have you? Absolutely. That's a great observation. And, and uh, it's, it's one of the reasons that doing corporate events is so gratifying for me because typically corporate meetings are very serious in tone. And to some extent, they should be. I mean, a lot of money is spent so people can come out and learn and network and, and go back and be better salespeople or whatever. But um, so I think that I think that the audiences, when they come out to these events, they don't expect humor. Uh, I mean, you know, they might get told a funny joke at a bar at happy hour or something, but they just don't expect to have a speaker come out and make them laugh. And uh, I think it's a real pleasant surprise. And, and it does it does cause people, I think, to put their phones down and to get off of their devices and to just say, hey, there's no reason we can't have some fun at this event. And this is a cool company because they hired that guy. I think it just makes them relax. And I want to talk about how you got this. So we're going to go into the how this all works, but how you got there. Mm-hmm. And it makes perfect sense to me. You were going to be a journalist, right? I mean, you, you were for a while in, uh, in Florida, as I recall. Correct. Yeah, I was a journalist. I, I majored in journalism. I went to Northwestern University, a very good journalism school. I always thought that's what I was supposed to do because my parents paid for my degree. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, exactly. And I, I did, but I, I've been doing stand-up since I was 16, dabbling in it. And um, it was just always a hobby. And then when I moved to Florida, uh, the, the comedy club boom had just started. And there was lots and lots of clubs and lots of places where I could apply my craft, which at the time was just a hobby. It was just a fun thing to do. And um, But little by little, I realized I liked doing that more than being a journalist, particularly because I was – I 
I was covering a lot of very unfunny topics, uh, a lot of you know crime, and right. you cover crime in South Florida. That's a pretty heavy. Uh, that's a pretty heavy beat right there. And um, I, I just thought I, I would rather make people laugh. And 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 the more stage time was available, the more places I could do it. So eventually, I just decided, okay, I'm I'm single, and I I might as well. I, I don't want to look back and say, I wish I'd done this. Um, I mean, my journalism career was going well. I was I, I transitioned from newspaper to television reporting. I was on TV every night, and um, but I thought I, I need to try this, so I did, and I moved back to Chicago, which is where I'm from, because I wanted to be based in the big city. But I didn't. Want, I knew I wasn't ready for New York or LA, and that's how I started doing stand up, and that was 33 years ago. <laughs> so um, that's but but I was not a corporate comic at that time. I right. was just a club comic. Well, I mean, what, first of all, was the laughter kind of the adrenaline rush that you really wanted? To, I mean, that made everything worthwhile hearing people laugh. Oh yeah, absolutely, and and especially because uh, it, I also learned that they people really like to laugh at things they could relate to. Like I, I did a lot of material when I was living in South Florida about living in South Florida, about, you know, the condo commandos and the, those kinds of the people and the, the driving. And I, I noticed people really were gravitating towards that kind of material. And it was very good lesson to kind of write for your audience, which really helped me a lot when I made that transition to corporate work. Um, but yeah, the, 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 I mean, there is no, there is no adrenaline rush. I think like being on stage and, um, as a comedian and having people laugh at you, I, I, I wish everybody could experience that. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps, and we're speaking to Greg Schwimm, whose comedy show provides a great look at today's corporate environment and the latest tools used to conduct business. The work as a journalist, particularly as a broadcast journalist, had to help too because you're on, you, you've got to grab people right away. There's certain skills that come from that that I would think would adapt well. And then, then you know, of course, you still got to make them laugh, which you don't have to do yeah. on the other. But at least yeah. you got kind of that setup and so forth. I agree, especially being a TV journalist because you have to think on your feet. You know, you I, I was doing a lot of... Uh, uh, live shots uh, in Florida. So, you know, that's the kind where they actually, now we go to Greg Schwem, who's outside the Kennedy Space Center, or Greg Schwem, who's outside the uh, the scene of the school board meeting, or a lot of times it was Greg Schwem outside something I'd rather not talk about. Uh, you know, again, that goes back to the crime beat. But but yes, so learning to, uh, to, to, to be able to improvise when necessary and to be able to also, it's like, okay, you're on. Everybody's watching you. And that is a skill that uh, I brought with me when it was time to do comedy full time. So now mm -hmm. you take this and you blend it in with business and so forth. Uh, was that kind of a natural thing? Because I, I understand somebody told you like, wow, that's great. You wish you come down to the office and share with that just seems to make all the sense of the world because people that's where we, we spend all our time is at work and so forth. We want right. to laugh about that. Exactly. And there were actually like two things that really made me transition into corporate events. One was kind of just what you said. I started doing a lot of material in my nightclub act about computers, because if you remember, Steve, back in the like the mid 90s, that was like the heyday of Microsoft and Windows 95. And it really was when all of a sudden the whole world being computerized, yet no one told us how to do it. <laughs> so. <laughs> I mean, all of a sudden, every office had a computer, every every employee had a computer, and we were all just kind of flying blind, learning how to work it. And 
I was writing a lot of material about that. Even though I didn't work in an office, I too had a computer and I was going through the same things. And I would tell these jokes about, you know, being on hold with tech support and, and how to, uh, you know, how to operate the, the most, the, the most basic stuff of computers. And, and those were, that was getting the most laughs in my nightclub act. And yes, people were coming up to me and saying, Hey, we're having a, you know, a, an event, we're having an offsite meeting, we're having a golf outing. If you come down and do, you know, you, yeah, I felt like you were talking about us. So that was one thing. The other thing was obviously being a comic in a big city and starting out, you're not making a lot of money. And I, I hooked up with a, a Chicago based company that, did live trade show presentations. And I mean, you being in Vegas, you know, there's, there's probably six trade shows going on right now outside your window. And, um, these were the kind of where companies would hire like an actor to talk about their product for eight minutes, two times an hour. Back with more in just a moment from motivational corporate comedian, Greg Schwimm. For great classic sports, it's Sports R-A-C-X, which is available on radio stations nationwide and wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Sports R-A-C-X. It's short for Sports Rockin' Tours. And later today on Sports Rockin' Tours, well, with the Winter Olympics in progress, we go back to 1980 and review the single most exciting event in U.S. Olympic ice hockey history, the Miracle on Ice with U.S. team captain Mike Ruzioni. If you're a diabetic, we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance. If you test and inject daily, you may qualify. Call U.S. Med now to learn more. 800-437-1424. 800-437-1424. That's 800-437-1424. Did Louis the Coin really soak the sheets with red wine in Rome? Yes. Did he really tell a federal court after testing positive for cocaine in his 70s that he only used coke for sex? Yes. Well, you can get these tales and more in the great book, You Thought It Was More, Adventures of the World's Greatest Counterfeiters. It's available now at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or at LouisTheCoinBook.com. That's Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or at LouisTheCoinBook.com. Hi, everyone. Al Roker here. As a guy with his own catchphrase, I appreciate that Smokey's only said, Only you can prevent wildfires. But I'm filling in because there's a lot more to report. Like when there are parched or windy conditions out there, you got to be extra careful with things like burning yard waste. After all, wildfires can start anywhere, even in your neck of the woods. Go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. You hear Mr. Big every week on this show. Now Mr. Big invites you to visit him online and save some money. All his books are now on Kindle, and he's got a variety of books, fiction and nonfiction, including The Life and Times of Frank Balisteri, books on casino games, and much more. You can buy the Kindle and save even more money. Go to MilwaukeeMob.com. That's MilwaukeeMob.com. That's MilwaukeeMob.com.
Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Greg Schwem, whose comedy looks at the 21st century workplace and work-life balance. He's appeared on Sirius Radio, Comedy Central, and the pages of Exceptional People magazine. And you, if you walk trade show floors, you, you'll see those those companies sometimes and those actors. And I hooked up with this company and was writing presentations for them. And then I was I asked if I could be the spokesperson for them. And they're like, sure. I, I, I thought it was natural. Like as long as I'm writing it, who could who could say it better than me? And and I found that a lot of companies did want to include a little bit of humor in there. So I learned about how to write. First of all, I heard to, I learned how to make very technical, dry topics funny. And I also, as a presenter, learned how to hook a business audience very quickly and kind of riff with them. And, and, and companies were okay with that. They're like, as long as you get the message out, uh, as long as you talk about the product, if you want to go off script a little bit, you know, just don't, don't tick anybody off, you know, keep it clean, keep it above board. But, and those two things kind of together is when I realized, okay, there's a market for being funny in the corporate world. You know what's amazing, though, Greg, is I read about how you go about this. You do a lot of work. I mean, people think everybody, like a good comic, has a regular stick. They go through it and so forth. That works, and maybe in a club, you'll work in different places. When you go into a company, though, you do a lot of research before, and that kind of makes sense because it's only really funny is if they know that you get their particular situation not just a technology in general but how that affects them right and that goes back to what i was talking about about when i first started out in florida and i found that the funniest material that i was doing was material about the audience as far as living in florida they were living in this kind of weird paradise and it's the same thing i i i obviously i could never i don't think i could ever do what i do without the internet because i just get on a company website and i start digging and i start i mean i i find out what they do what division they work for and then i kind of start digging and i tend to find things that they probably don't think is funny but if i if an outsider says it back to them it, it sounds funny and i do believe that people like to laugh at what they do as long as, but here's another thing, Stephen, this is why there's so few comedians that do corporate events because a lot of them make this mistake and they never ever uh, recover from it. There's a very fine line between having fun with a corporate audience and mocking them or belittling them or making it seem like what they do is stupid. And the minute you cross that line, you will never get them back. Um, you know, I mean, I, 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 corporate audiences, they, they, companies, big, I've done big companies that, you know, I've done IBM and I've done Cisco and I've done AT&T and they're fine with laughing at what they do. But you also have to know that this is, this is what they do. This is their life's work. So if you start making it seem like what they do is not relevant, uh, they're, they're going to take offense to that. And rightfully so they should. And, and a lot of comics, they, they come off stage, they try a corporate event, and they, they, they're a little too, they, they step over that line. And then they come off and they're like, well, those, those people weren't, you know, they didn't get it, or they didn't get me, or I don't know why they hated me so much. Well, uh, you know, I, I can answer that for you really quickly. <laughs> so um, it's not them, it's you. 
Well, is it more difficult to do like some company, amalgamated research, some company that you have no idea about, or a company like McDonald's, which you've done, where they've got a whole series of advertisements and so forth. You can play off those. Everybody knows what's on a menu there. Is, yeah. So is it is it more challenging to go after a company that, by the name, you have no clue what they even do? Yeah. You know, you'd think it'd be that way, but for me, it works absolutely in the reverse. Um, I love it. I, I think the more complicated it is, and the less I know about it, the easier it is because, you know, like, and I have done shows for McDonald's and um, I, I sometimes feel like when I'm too close to the product, I mean, they, obviously there's, there's ways to go. There's, there's material I can do about going into McDonald's and so forth. But, but you have, again, you have to be careful because if you start doing your own experience with things, you also run that risk of, you know, you don't want to say, well, I went into McDonald's and oh, you know, how long does it take to make four chicken nuggets? You know, that, that there yeah. you've crossed the line. Um, but if I go, if I do a show for a company that makes, you know, widgets for NASA and I have no clue, then I can kind of be the, and this is kind of the persona that I try to adapt in my shows. I'm kind of that. I'm not quite a, the. I'm not quite the dumb guy. I'm the inquisitive guy. I'm like, okay, you have to explain. I found this on your website. What exactly does this mean? <laughs> More with business humorist Greg Schwim in a moment. Time now for another look at the vintage Vegas crime blotter with Mr. Big. Today's topic: a hotel from the past. Part of the love of vintage Vegas is the love of the old hotels, you know, the sands everybody's heard of at the Desert Inn. Here's one that was a famous one that maybe some people don't know about, but it's got a great background. Mr. Big's going to tell us about it. It's the Thunderbird. Absolutely. we got to love the Thunderbird. You gotta, I have nothing but respect for the early pioneers of Las Vegas who built something where there's nothing. And the money they spent building them and the stakes they made building them and getting them open are stories of legion, to say the least. But one of my favorites is the Thunderbird. And here you go. Interesting thing about Thunderbird, it was owned at one time by the lieutenant governor of the state of Nevada, a man by the name of Cliff Jones. Interesting, he had a reputation back when it was even built of being a man who could get things done. If you needed a permit, he knew who to call. If you needed a loan, he knew who to call. If you needed some booze delivered, he knew who to call for that, too. He could do anything he wanted to. But sadly, when he built the Thunderbird on opening night, he didn't have a lot of money in the till. Oh, my God. And here come some people who won. Did you say break the bank of the Thunderbird? Yeah, other people did. And long and behold, Mr. Jones and his other partners had to come up with hundreds of thousands of dollars that they did not have. So who do they turn to? Hmm. Did they go to the, the Five Dimes store down the street? Did they go to the local pawn shop? Nope, couldn't do that. So what did they do? They called up a friend of a friend of, of course, Marlansky, who lent them the money in exchange, got quite a bit of the piece of the Thunderbird. One of the largest hotels of the mafia really, truly had a big impact, a big interest in, and made a lot of money from. Now, at the time that all this stuff had come up before the Senate, Mr. Cliff Jones was the lieutenant governor of the state of Nevada. Now, you'd think that he would get his license pulled. You'd think he might even go to jail for this. Not really. He, well, he had his license pulled for maybe a day before it was given back to him. Who knows how that happened? You'd think he'd be punished for some point back, hiding that secret interest to the mafia. But not, not him. He got by with it. 
Maybe it's the fact that people loved him. Maybe maybe people that people respect him. And maybe some people in you made phone calls for him as well. Thank you, Mr. Big. We will have yet another story from the Vintage Vegas Crime Blotter next week. And remember, you can always check out everything about Mr. Big at MilwaukeeMob.com. He's got books on crime and gambling and some really cool merchandise. You don't want to miss it. That's at MilwaukeeMob.com. And don't forget to listen to Sports Rockin' Tours for the very best in classic sports available wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Manchie nationwide on the Talk Media Network. This is Justin Shando, the 2010 Ultimate Elvis Tribute Artist. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. To Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Vegas Never Sleeps. I'm Stephen Maggi, and I'm chatting with Greg Schwim, who is a business speaker and author, nationally syndicated humor columnist, TV travel host, award winning greeting card writer, and creator of Funny Dad Inc., voted one of the top dad humor sites of 2020. You know, what's yeah. this 84 to the 7th power divided by 18, and it's three nine, you know, and, and now you can get it this month alone for 1099. Yeah, what is Because <laughs> yeah. I was thinking maybe I should order three of these, you know, that kind of stuff. So you're, you're not really, you're, you're not mocking them. You're just basically taking a twist on something that you don't understand and making it funny, and then you're showing them this really is kind of ridiculous <laughs> when you think about it. But, you know, you talk research, but uh, you mentioned the Internet and people yeah. are saying, well, I can do that. But you do more than that. First of all, that's very difficult to do. Let's let's say right out there to find funny stuff like what you're talking about. That's really important. But also, I understand you make phone calls to like some of the company executives and so forth and even go out and look around. And I guess there's a lot of a lot of stuff that you could find, like maybe on an, on an actual visit that you'd never get just looking at an Internet site. Oh, yeah. I mean, I always if I I mean, obviously, COVID has played havoc with that. COVID's played havoc with a lot of things in my business. But if it's a if it's I mean, I, I, you know, can I fly across the country for a meeting and fly back? Probably not. But like I live in Chicago. So if it's a Chicago based company, yes, I do find that there's an awful lot that I can get about a lot of information that I cannot get over the phone. And sometimes it's just you know, like I remember going into a company once and they had, they had all these motivational slogans slapped all over the walls. And there was, and I just, I said, do you mind if I, if you mind if I take pictures of these? And they're like, sure. They had no idea. You know, like why, why would he be taking pictures of, you know, we only know one direction forward. You know, why would he take pictures of that? But, but there was one that was, it was like a, a pie chart. <laughs> it was like sectioned off and so forth. So I took, four, I took pictures of like all the slogans and then I stuck that one there and I said, and then I, I when I did the show, I, I use visuals in my show too. That's another form of research I do. I use PowerPoint and Keynote and so forth. So I, I put these up and I said, you know, wow, it's, it's very motivating to walk into your office and, you know, boom, you know, we only know one direction, forward, 
boom, success doesn't come to you. You go to it. And then I put up the pie chart and I said, we have no idea what this one means. And it got a huge laugh because they don't have any idea what the hell it means. Office culture, I think, is funny. Um, And I think it should be. It's getting harder to these days, but I think office culture should be laughed at just a little bit. And again, it goes back to what you were saying is people spend so much time at work and they're around this stuff all the time. And sometimes it just takes somebody like me from the outside to, to, to just look at it a little bit differently. And I think that's why companies and associations and the, the kind of groups that I work for really appreciate that. You do cover a few things that kind of apply almost everywhere in the business world. And I wanted to talk with you about a couple. One of the tedious business meetings, we're just talking about, you know, oh, wow, this guy's funny, thank God. But there are some parts of a job that you have to go to these meetings and you look at it on your planner, which is annoying to begin with, and you think, oh. Right. And a lot of times it can be an, an hour from hell. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, and, and no one wants to be there, but nobody says it. And, you know, and I always... I've always said, you know, I say what you people wish you could say, or I, I, I get paid to say what you're thinking. And uh, again, another <laughs> kind of advantage I have. Um, but, and, and, and believe it or not, that's one of the things where COVID has really, um, has really helped me write a lot of material because, you know, we all thought in-person meetings were bad. <laughs> Virtual meetings are worse. I think, and I think most people would agree with that. I mean, you could sit there and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I can take a meeting in my pajamas and my, with my yogurt and my coffee and I don't have to wear pants and so forth, but you're still looking at a computer all day long and then you log off and then you're looking at another bunch of boxes and then you log off and you're looking at another bunch of boxes and that's <laughs> how you spend your day. And that to me is, again, it, the, the work environment has changed, but why not sort of call it out for what it is? And what it is is just weird, and weird is funny as far as I'm concerned. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps, and we're speaking to Greg Schwimm, whose comedy show provides a great look at today's corporate environment and the latest tools used to conduct business. And how do you deal with smartphones? Because they're everywhere, and everybody looks at them. It doesn't matter what business you're talking to. Yeah, I, you know what, I, it used to, it, it's like everything else. It used to bother me, but I realized I was fighting a losing battle. It's kind of like, you know, you, you don't hear people, you know, it, it's kind of like on the plane. Uh, you know, you can say, okay, please silence your cell phones or please turn them off or please put them in airplane. Nobody's doing it. Uh, you know, it used to be. And, and I think what I and I just know that that is, unfortunately, I don't care how funny anybody is. Um where I am working, I, I, first of all, I have to accept the fact that for the most part, I am working in the middle of somebody's workday. Uh, a lot of my shows are in the morning. A lot of my shows are at lunch. Um, they all take place, uh, most of them during the week. So I, I have to respect that or just know. But I, I, I kind of very subtly say, you know, this is a chance for you to just do something that you probably don't do. Uh, enough at work, and that is to laugh. But you can't do that if you're on your phone. So I'm just going to ask you to please, you know, put your phones down, close your laptops, do whatever, and just enjoy these next 45 minutes or hour or whatever. That's all I can do. And and surprisingly, a lot of people will do that. It, it just mm. someone has to tell them. 
That's right. That's right. One last thing on that, and then I want to talk about some of the other stuff you do, but you also talk a lot about the American Girl Doll Company. Okay, you got to explain. <laughs> what I read that, and I go, I, I read it two or three times. I, I must be reading this wrong, so tell me what the fascination <laughs> is. Well, I have two daughters, and they both, at one point in their lives, they're growing now, but they were very into this American Girl Doll company. And I always had to uh, go down, you know, that was a big field trip for the girls and a big, big treat to go down to the store on Michigan Avenue and pick out a doll or an outfit or something. And I, I would, again, it, you know, as a comedian, it's kind of my job to make fun of everything or to look at something with a very, um, it, it, can I make fun of this eye? Right. And I was fascinated by this whole concept that these dolls, which were really expensive, were just flying off the shelves and how this company had turned buying a doll into an event, you know, not just a, a yeah. toy. This was an event. And I thought, well, there's something here that I could translate to the business world. And what I thought was all they're doing, I think I said it to my wife on the way home. I go, all they're doing is they just, they're just looking at an old product in a new way. That's all they've done. Because uh, they're still, at the end of the day, they're still selling dolls. Right. And um, I thought, that's kind of what, how business succeeds. You know, you, you, there's not necessarily a lot of new ideas. It's how you spin it. And so I thought, maybe I could bring my experience with the American Girl doll to the stage. And first, I could just complain about the whole thing and, and make jokes about me as a dad being in the American Girl doll store. But then say... Let me show you why they are so successful because they've looked at a doll in a new way. And that has become sort of my standard closing bit. Now, American Girl dolls not as successful as they used to be. Um, kids just aren't playing with dolls as much. You know, right, the, the right. phone has taken over. But there's still enough people in the audience. It's still going strong enough. And what I find, I, no bit resonates with an audience like this bit. Back with more in just a moment from motivational corporate comedian Greg Schwimm. For great classic sports, it's Sports R-A-C-X, which is available on radio stations nationwide and wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Sports R-A-C-X. It's short for Sports Rockin' Tours. And later today on Sports Rockin' Tours, well, with the Winter Olympics in progress, we go back to 1980 and review the single most exciting event in U.S. Olympic ice hockey history, the Miracle on Ice with U.S. team captain Mike Ruzioni. What if every dollar you invested into your training program turned into $30 of revenue? What if your learning program was so engaging that your employees looked forward to annual trainings? And what if you could monitor the success and effectiveness of your curriculum with quantifiable metrics? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. E-learning has made each of these scenarios possible, utilizing tools such as virtual and augmented reality, simulations, and online instructor-led training provides a safe environment for employees to learn at their own pace. Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Here at Epsilon XR, we have 50 years of experience in creating powerful and effective training programs. We combine proven training methods with cutting-edge technology to create immersive training experiences. Are you ready to take your training program to the next level? 
go to training.epsilonxr.com. Training.epsilonxr.com. Now, let's return to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps. We are talking with Greg Schwimm, whose client list includes McDonald's, Microsoft, General Motors, IBM, and even the CIA. I see comic after comic bringing notes onto, onto the stage, even to do five minutes. I don't get that. I don't either. I don't wow. get that at all. I mean, to me... It's like, you know, you want to do this for a living, but you're saying you can't memorize five minutes, which you've had all day to rehearse. I, you know, and, and some people have said, well, Chappelle brings notes on stage. Okay, but A, you're not Chappelle. Right. <laughs> Chappelle can do whatever he wants. And also, I saw Chappelle at the Laugh Factory years ago before a lot of people knew who he was. And guess what? He didn't bring notes on stage. He, yeah. he didn't. So... You know, wait until you're at that level, then you can do whatever the heck you want, but try and memorize five minutes. And that was kind of the beauty of uh, some of these little small comedy clubs where you could go down there and you could try stuff out. Not everything's going to work, but you got to try it out, right? So that's how you sharpen. Exactly. You know, is that something to, of course, like we mentioned before, your stuff is more intricate because you're getting into these companies and so forth. But just in general, is it always, uh, you're always trying to polish things? Is it something you're constantly working? I assume, you know, you don't have set bits and that's it. It's always evolving. It is. It is. And and I will say one thing. Um, corporate events are not the ideal location to try out new material. Right. Um, I, I feel like you, you don't have, one of the reasons I think is, when people go to a comedy club, they, they are uh, expecting to see comedy. They are uh, in tune for that. That's what they decided to do that evening. I walk in here, I'm supposed to laugh. What we talked about earlier is a lot of times when I walk on stage, people don't know. Sometimes they don't even know that there's, that I'm going to be a funny guy. You know, I, I've right. introduced as, you know, just a speaker or a humor speaker or something like, okay, so there might be some little chuckles here and there. Um, so they're not really in a, in a humor mood per se. And, um, and, and that's why I have to really kind of bang them with my double A stuff a, a lot of times. But at the same time, I, like you said, I am always looking for those new bits that, um, that really resonate with audiences. Also, is there a flow to what you do? By that, I mean, do you like to try to hit them hard in the beginning, ease them through, and then hit them hard at the end? No. Or, you know, or does it just, does it kind of organically happen and you, you, you kind of determine that by kind of how the response is and so forth? Right. Well, there is a flow, certainly the beginning. Uh, we talk about the customization. I want it to be known very early on that I did homework on them. I, I want them, I want to say something to them, whether it's I put up a, a screenshot of their website, something that lets them know that this is not a canned presentation, that I haven't just been doing the same old thing, which a lot of speakers do, unfortunately, you know, that this is something that I took the time to find out about them. And I want to, I want to establish that in the first like five minutes, um, and, you know, I, it might make a, I might make a reference to their agenda and the crazy, complicated 
dry sounding breakout sessions that they're going to have. Um, you know, just something, and it doesn't have to be a lot. It just has to be something to let them know, okay, this, this guy, this guy gets it, you know, and, and therefore that will make them pay attention. So we, we hit them hard with that. I established kind of who I am. And, um, I usually say I kind of divide my show into thirds. Like the first third is I make jokes about the, the event itself. Um, you know, we're all here in Las Vegas because we all want to learn about this and here's how you all got here. And, you know, Hey, we're back doing live events now. So we've been reintroduced to stuff we took for granted, like the mini bar in your, you know, you know, how many people have just emptied the mini bar just because it's been two years since you were able to say, I want to empty the mini, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, the second bit, the second third is probably a little more of the really the customized stuff. I kind of really kind of get into what they do and try and also also talk about why it's important to for their particular industry to laugh. Okay, kind of give examples, and then the last third is more. Here's what you can take away. You know, I, now I've just now I've just done something that you didn't think was possible, and that is I've made you laugh at your business. Now, what are you going to do with that? You know, you, how are you going to move it forward? And you know, maybe when you go back, I'm not going to tell you how to sell more product because that's not what I do. And um, but I can tell you, you know, how to have more fun doing it, and how to maybe use humor. You know, and next time you're stuck on an idea, think about incorporating humor. And I give a few examples and then I say, and then I usually end with the American girl doll bit where I talk about all of these things you're doing. And the reason you're here out at the MGM grand anyway, for the next four days is you're all trying to look at a new way to do an old thing. How do we get a hold of you? Cause I think there's a lot of companies that are hearing that going, we'd love to get this guy on. How do we get a hold of you and how do we follow yeah, your career? I mean, you know, the best way is just Greg Schwem.com. So that's G R E G S C H W E M.com. And, um, you know, people will say, okay, but what, you know, can we see you? And yeah, there's plenty of links on there as to, you know, links to my YouTube channel. There's video of me in a variety of situations, whether it's doing keynotes, whether it's hosting, I do, a, especially in Vegas, I do a lot of emceeing of multi-day events, which are fun. And, um, uh, that's the best way. And, uh, I, I'm excited that COVID seems to, again, knock wood, but, uh, yeah. it seems to be, uh, dissipating a little bit and live events are on the rebound as they should be and vegas seems to be alive and well time now for a visit with your vegas insider scott robin vitalvegas.com about a topic that has drawn national attention and one that does not put vegas in a good light and one that scott thinks is not right do you think that the city of Las Vegas has been part of the problem. Now, I mean, as ridiculous as I think that kind of sounds, I have actually heard that from around the country with the Raiders. They said, well, part of the problem is they, there's so many temptations there. But but it's, I feel like those temptations are pretty much in every NFL city if you want to find them. I mean, uh, that that's the whole point of a city. There's alcohol and all that kind of thing around. It might be uh, kind of highlighted maybe more in Vegas because people think of it as Sin City, but I, I just can't see how the city just draws people into that. Now, do you agree or do you think I'm, out, I'm off base? No, no, I, I absolutely agree. I do hear Vegas being blamed. I blame dumbasses. That, that's not a Vegas thing. These... Kids, they are kids. They're young. 
They have been treated like royalty, you know, from their youngest days. The minute you start showing any athletic acumen, you're treated like, like you're, you know, you you're given a pass in your classes. You're given a pass. You know, the treatment is just so different, and they grow up very entitled. They are wealthy. Nobody says no. People hold them up as gods. I I think that. You know, they're idols in our culture, and they're just dumbasses. They, they show a lack of judgment. They're, they have too much too soon. And, the you know, I blame the ownership. I blame the management and the organization that lets this stuff go on. And it, it can have such tragic results. For the most part, it's just dumbasses being dumbasses. But some of the behavior is really reprehensible. There was a, a one Raiders player I actually – uh, tweeted about it and uh, did not name his name at the time. He's no longer with the team, but he just he treated casino staff absolutely reprehensibly. And there was no excuse for it. He was winning. He threw cards in the face of a dealer. He he made sexual comments to, to a female dealer, a female manager. And that kind of behavior, if that is allowed to slide, he was 86 from this casino, but there was never any word that the team did anything, that there were any repercussions. So, so what is there to stop these guys from making these dumbass kind of decisions? So I, I don't know. I, I think it's a bigger problem. It's related to professional sports and how we view professional yeah. uh, sports, you know, guys, athletes, how they're treated differently, how they're, you know, it's right this way, you know, it is. And in Vegas, it's very much that because, these guys have, are wealthy, so that's a high roller in any casino, and you roll out the red carpet for these guys. But then you learn that they they they're drinking, they're driving, you know, they're not using common sense. But I blame it on youth and dumbassery, yeah, more than Vegas certainly. Thanks, Scott. Make sure to visit Scott's site, VitalVegas.com, for the very best in Vegas happenings. Coming up next is Sports Rock and Tours. Go to Sports R-A-C-X wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Sports R-A-C-X. It's short for Sports Rock and Tours. And please follow both Vegas Never Sleeps and Sports Rock and Tours on all social media platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for listening today. This is Stephen Maggi reminding you, Vegas Never Sleeps. Oh, Vegas, here we go!